0: Welcome to the Brain Tools Podcast, where you're going to learn how your brain works and how you can use it to level up your life. It's practical brain science for everyday people. I'm your co-host, Sam, a self-professed neuroscience nerd on a mission to share brain science with the world in words everyone can understand.
1: And I'm Kieran, and I specialize in neuroscience at university and now run a metacognition education startup in Asia. Each episode, you walk away with six practical brain tools that you can use immediately. No fluff, just the good stuff with a side of banter.
0: Plus, grab our show notes, the research, and tons of other free resources, including guides and classes, just by joining our growing BrainTools community at braintools.mn.co. Best of all, it's totally free. But for now, the BrainTools Podcast.
1: Welcome to episode eight of the Brain Tools podcast. My name is Karen and joined with co-host Sam here. Today you are tuning in for the wrap-up of our COVID 19 series. Episodes one through to seven, all about improving your well-being. And it rounds out delightfully with episode eight, which is all about human attention. You're going to learn how to actually boost your attention, how it works in your brain, but also really importantly, the information arbitrage that's going on that makes it so difficult to spend time on task. by all wrapping up with six brain tools to obviously improve your attention so you can focus on making better decisions. Very excited to have you here. Samuel, how are you?
0: Uh, I'm, I'm very, very well, thanks, Kieran. How are you doing this week, my friend? I'm delightful.
1: Midweek recording. We're changing up Mid-week a bit,
0: aren't we? Midweek recording, yeah. We're very much mixing it up. We're keeping our brains guessing, which is important in this day and age. Um, also, this uh, topic is quite near and dear to my heart, will I add. Can I ask why? Well, it goes a bit like this. start of this year... Uh, I moved back home and began working remotely. And now everyone else yeah. is working remotely too, which is great. But what I noticed is that my own personal attention and ability to, to keep attention on tasks really started to plummet. Um, and there are a couple of different reasons why, but it's almost like COVID has induced this, this kind of ADHD where it's really, really hard to stay focused, uh, especially r- during remote work. And the same thing with a lot of my friends I've been talking to, everyone's a little bit scatterbrained right now. So lots of us struggling, um, which is a, a, a big issue.
1: I totally agree. Cause like I only realized this moving, cause we've only to be back in the office Uh, recently and the ability to get stuff done the ability to focus when you change your environment is massive like the whole idea of working from home uh, living from home and making everything come into one is tough it's like attention is just a premium um but it's a classic supply demand right
0: well it absolutely is and then there's also you know being at home there's so many more distractions which we're going to touch on a little bit later and how they work and there's just so like there's so much going on these days there's so much going on these days
1: Fun facts for you. Can I level with you?
0: Yeah, hit me up. What you got?
1: So classic deep dive into the research. Social media usage in 2018 uh, and came across some very interesting things, especially when it came to Twitter, Snapchat and Instagram. So I want to run a few things past you, which honestly blew my mind. In just one minute during 2018, Twitter users sent 473,400 tweets. In one minute. In one minute. Scale that up. And you start to see that thread entire year. There are a lot of tweets going around. Snapchat users. a lot users. of tweets. Donald one is minute. responsible for all of them. <laughs> Pretty much. The real Donald Trump, will you please yeah. stand up? Um, Snapchat users, though, shared 2 million photos in one minute. And Instagram users posted 49,380 pictures in one minute. There is That's so crazy. much information. It is crazy. And I'm going to quiz you if I can. Go on. I'll just Where'd take you a guess. Good old Google, which their whole thing is to organize the world's uh, information. I want you to guess how many searches occur in a day on Google.
0: I'm, I'm not going to look at this answer. Um, I'm going to take a stab and say it's, <laughs> a bi- it's, it's a billion. It just has to be a billion.
1: Multiply that by 3.5 and you're at 3.5
0: billion searches. That's nuts.
1: How crazy is that though?
0: That is a lot of cat pictures. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There, was, there was so many cat pictures going on. And this is where we've been it's speaking crazy. about this, that the, the amount of information in the world right now is absolutely in excess in both the real and the virtual mm. world. Like, take COVID-19, how many times have you got a message of, like, a picture that says, hey, COVID-19 update, or be like, oh, this is the latest and bravest news. Oh, it's, God. It's crazy.
0: Right? All the time. And it's so hard to avoid them. They're, like, in your social media feeds. I get them pop-ups on Chrome.
1: It is so, so annoying. And that's, that raises the question though, right? Which is how do you differentiate between signal and noise, especially when there's so much negative news coming on? The hijacking is, is nuts.
0: The hijacking, I love it. And, and the hijacking you're talking to is not a plane, ladies and germs. It is our brains, <laughs> the, the old amygdala hijack and our attention's really being hijacked by uh, technology, but also by the stress which is making it impossible to focus. And if you want to know why, go back and listen to our wellbeing and stress episode, episode two. We talk a little bit about how the stress works in your brain, how the stress, how stress works in your brain. But essentially it all comes down to how attention works in our brain.
1: Spot on. And you know how much I love Cal Newport. Fanboy. <laughs> Absolute Fanboy. Well, I read his his book, Deep Work, I think it was about a year and a half ago. Um, And for those that haven't read it, I highly, highly recommend it. He's got a quote there. And as we always do, like to start uh, diving into the quotes. He says, who you are, what you think, feel and do, what you love is the sum of what you focus on. Thus, what we choose to focus on and what we choose to ignore defines the quality of our life. And it becomes super salient that in this episode, Deep Diving In, actually having the ability to focus in a world full of noise. It's superpower. Paying attention to the right things is absolutely nuts, which we are very, very excited to deep dive into understanding how that actually works in the brain with your attention.
0: Yeah, here we go guys. This is, this is why you have the attention of the goldfish. You're about to understand how it all works and the best way to understand anything. If you ask Warren Buffett is through an analogy or an example Kieran, <laughs>
1: you've got an analogy or two. You know how much- uh, Sam, Sam, can I ask?
0: Have you ever been to a party before? Uh, once or twice.
1: Lona, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. You've been, mate, you are, you're the life of the party. You've got this down pat. You are, you know, I know, remember those days at the clubs at room 680 for those that don't know, oh this God. is a club in Melbourne.
0: <laughs>
1: was call out. <laughs> Actually, if you know those, digi- no remember feelings. how dingy it was though? It was the oh, classic, you so go great. and you dress up when you're 17 and 18 underage, sorry, and be like, hey, let's go do this. And when you look at it now, eight years, nine years from
0: you're like, this is the worst place in the world. Bad decisions. Many bad decisions.
1: (laughs) Bad decisions, but I will level you with this analogy. Let's take something a little bit better. Take it to a 21st or maybe a 30th. I want you to imagine, Sam, that you are at a party, you know, and it's it's at a bustling restaurant. There are multiple conversations going on, the clinking of plates and forks, so many things that are competing to your attention. How do you think you would feel if you couldn't filter through that? Imagine if all you could do is take in all that noise. How would you go about things? You'd be overwhelmed. Absolutely. You'd be totally overwhelmed. And so our ability to pay attention is our filter. And it's our filter because we have all the senses. Now, I don't want to, I'm testing you again. Sam, do you remember, you know, what the senses are? Yeah, out of interest. So, uh
0: I do. And that's very rude of you, but I, I'll play along. I'm a good sport. So sight, smell, taste, hearing, touch, vestibular, and proprioception.
1: Wow. Uh, okay yeah. you yeah all right well fine you you did better than i did i didn't even replace those last two
0: <laughs> the last two were crazy and i know this because i thought there were five and i was reading a, a neuroscience book the other day and they asked this exact question and i know nailed, i know nailed i'm like yeah i've got all five down pat when i flicked for the <laughs> answers the last two god damn it so I learned... <laughs> well I,
1: i'm not gonna lie i'm sitting here jobs, Matt, because i was really confident and i was like yeah there's five this is great yeah. but you told me something new so thank you very there's much seven the seven. But as you said, you've got all the different senses, and that's how we obviously get information into our brain from our environment. And it would be yep. impossible to live if we couldn't actually filter out that information. So that's what our attention works like. It's like a lighthouse, right? It's literally a spotlight. It shines on the things that are most important to us. But the thing is, your brain decides what's
0: important. So what, what, what do you mean by this being like a filter? How, how does Good that question. Kind of work? <laughs>
1: very good question so there's the first model of attention uh, just to level with you was called Broadbent's filter model and basically what he came up with and this was the first model it's been iterated across time but to be honest it's it stayed basically the same is you have some sort of sensory input generally let's stick with something visual right you see something what then happens in the environment in terms of your entire landscape is a filter occurs and i know that you've done a bit of uh, thinking about the thalamus and the role that plays but it filters mm into then understanding what's important what's not before it goes into your prefrontal cortex, which is your executive, the CEO, where you start to actually pay attention to it. And once you do that, then it's a response. And so it's a classic input-output model that allows us to actually filter all the way through. And this has been pretty consistent for a while as well.
0: Yeah, good old broadband. It's pretty interesting. Hey, how you doing? Mr. <laughs> broad, the Broadman, you just touched on this, and I'm going to go through it really quickly. But essentially, there's this part in your brain called the thalamus, and it's surrounded by this shell um, of thalamic nu- nuclei, which are just cells, and this system called the reticular activating system. What the hell is the reticular activating system? <laughs> <laughs> Big <Be We're curious. laughs> Glad you asked. We'll call it the RAS. And basically, this is what you were talking about before. It's this relay station where all the sensory inputs from the different parts, when you see something, the visual cortex, when you hear something, the auditory cortex, parietal cortex, when you touch things, they come through this little relay station. And there's a gatekeeper there. And the gatekeeper chooses, like a guard, what to let through and what to ignore. He chooses what to turn up and what to turn down.
1: Bouncer it's 680. (laughs) He is
0: the bouncer of your attention club, right? And he's also controlled by your prefrontal cortex. And we're going to touch on later why that's such a massive issue right now when we're all really hyper stressed. But essentially it works a bit like this. The reticular activating system, this part of your brain, really focuses on three things. Three things that it zooms in on. What are the three? One, what's really familiar what's strange and unusual, and what's dangerous. And I'll give you an example of the first one. Have you ever gone and looked to buy a new car or something new, right? You. I'll use the car example. You go to buy a new car and suddenly everywhere you go, you see the same car model. You're like, wow, that's so crazy. I can't believe there's that exact Audi I wanted. And the reason is because your brain is now looking and searching through your environment and filtering your attention to highlight this thing because it's focusing on it.
1: Makes a lot of sense. I remember that. I remember the first time I got my first car. That was great. I was paying a lot of attention to that.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, I have, so my dad is obsessed with this car we used to have. We had a Toyota Camry 1999 Vienta. We called it the (laughs) frog. It was cream. What a model. What a model. What a model. (laughs) Very potent car. Um, and he has this uncanny ability where we'll be going down the street and he'll say, oh, that, that's Sam's car. That's one of Sam's car. And it's because he has this filter going on in his brain, which is actively looking out and seeking for these cars unconsciously. So he's, he's just got it, right? And it's pretty crazy that this kind of dictates a lot of what our attention does, but there are different types of attention.
1: You're spot on. There's four. And this is what I found really interesting diving into this is that we just assume that attention is just one thing but there's four Mm. the first one's divided attention this is the one of great debate which is paying attention to two things at once aka multitasking and what i know you're going to reveal later on this is not actually true in any way shape or form it's been debunked Mm. but for a long time when uh broadie broadband came up with the model divided attention was definitely a thing the second one is sustained attention this is known as flow and i know samuel you've been in the moment where you're like Really there, two, three hours, getting stuff done, time passes um, very quickly. This is what we call your attention span. And as we will reveal later on, attention spans have actually decreased over time as information's increased, which is a very interesting Mm -hmm. one. And then the last two, executive attention, is when you're making conscious decisions. So you're actually paying attention to the decision-making process you're making. But the one that you touched on and the one that we're going to really focus on today is selective attention. It's the ability to filter out everything from your external environment to lock in on the one thing that you want to concentrate upon. And as you said, hit those three markers of familiarity uh, and also obviously of threatening and of novelty.
0: Yeah. Powerful different kinds of attention. That's super to be interesting. I, I know you also looked at a, a really good quote about this and you love quotes.
1: You know, are we going to get the quote counter back again?
0: <laughs> I think we need a quote counter.
1: I think we are. And the only thing that I just want to say on this is uh, beware of the illusion of, of conscious attention. Um, there's a guy called David Eagleman who wrote a book called Incognito, The Secret Lives of the Brain. And he has a quote that really hit me quite hard. When he said, the first thing we learn from studying our own circuitry is a simple lesson. Most of what we do and think and feel is not under our conscious control. The reality is, The subconscious is just lurking back there and is responsible for 95% of it. But because you and I have this conversation right now, people listen in, they are using the conscious brain and that gives the illusion that it's everything. But the reality is there's a feedback loop between your conscious and subconscious self. And so what becomes so, so important, mastering your ability to actually manipulate your conscious attention is the ultimate feedback loop that alters your subconscious. But there are so many issues with this and so many things that stop us from actually doing that.
0: Oh, super powerful. Whoa. What a way to finish out with Martin Luther King as delivery. I love it. And speaking of those things, that's what we're going to talk about in our next section is some of the problems, some of the blockers. All right. And now we're going to talk about some of the brain problems that come with attention and finding focus in a world full of distractions. And this is really, really relevant. Like I said to myself right now, but also to so many people working remotely, because one thing I've noticed is the work environment at home for most people and for myself included is just full of distractions. And it's definitely not made for focus and attention for most of us, whether that's, Kids at the home, a vacuum cleaner going somewhere, you know, the old family argument in the kitchen. Oh,
1: it's, the worst!
0: It's it's the worst. But we are some of us are really struggling, and I know personally, I have lost so much focus this year in terms of how I work throughout the day, and and that's why this episode's so relevant to me. But um, there there are they're kind of two core problems that you identified with attention and this was news to me because i always thought it was just distraction or attention
1: you're spot on and and i totally feel with that like working from home even just like construction noise that's going on in the background oh yeah and i suppose that is that is the worst okay we've had literally somebody i kid you not just every morning 6 a.m just waking us up and then throughout the entire day it is the worst but as you said, there's sort of two frame, a frame that I, I want to bring to it, which is the classic quality and quantity model, which is the first problem which you spoke about, which is the quantity of attention, which is you know, how much attention you can actually pay and the things that take away from that, as you've rightly said, the distractions. But the second one to bring in is the quality which is once you actually do pay attention, how does that actually impact your beliefs, your behaviors and your subsequent well-being? Because the moment you pay attention to something, you are internalizing it, whether it's conscious or subconscious. And that I know really links quite nicely into the notion that while there is just quantity, there is quality. And I just want to very quickly touch on the first issue, as we've just said, which is information quantities increase exponentially. As we said in the opener, there's so much information. Totally. And uh, the Danes, my friend, the Danes, I think Australia's got uh, a, little bit of, uh, uh, a little bit of a Catching hello up. for the Danes. Yeah, we got there. But uh, the Technical uh, University of Denmark uh, did a study in 2013 and they went through a bunch of information trawled at social media and Google from the past few years. Now, I don't want to get delve into it, but the conclusion they came through was clear. There are more things to focus on because there's more information, but often it's hard, hard now to focus for longer periods of time. So we're focusing for shorter periods of time. And it makes a lot of sense because when we are overwhelmed with quantity, quality becomes incredibly hard in terms of your attention. And therefore we end up relying on a bunch of heuristics that normally lead us astray, which I know links very nicely in terms of the COVID stress that has basically happened throughout this entire, what is it, year,
0: around 2020. Oh, right. It just feels like it's never ending. I know lots of people feel that way. It's interesting you mentioned quantity because when you think of quantity, there is nothing in high quantity right now Then bad news. Like every day you turn on the news, it's it's bad news. It's bad news. Threat overload. You can't. It's sensationalist. It's the worst. It's sensationalist. I mean, that's how they make the money. I understand. That's how the media works. But nevertheless, there's a massive problem when it comes to our attention, because there's such a high quantity of information that's signaling this threat to us. Everyone is kind of perme stressed right now. And I am sure if you measured cortisol across the entire population of the world. (laughs) Imagine that population analysis. That'd be some (laughs) some hell of a population analysis. But I'm sure it'd be incredibly high. And so it's almost like this is COVID stress is creating this COVID attention deficit. And why I say that is because when we're stressed we experience this amygdala hijack. And what that means is the part of our brain responsible for processing emotions, the amygdala becomes hyperactive and it starts to suck all these resources away from the other parts of the brain. And while it's doing this, parts of your brain responsible for memory, the hippocampus and your PFC actually shrink in response. And so your ability to, to think and pay attention, which is intricately linked to the prefrontal cortex and the hippocampus where the memory happens is shrinking with this over... Overproduction of stress.
1: That's crazy. So the over, crazy. so stress is overstimulating, so it's shrinking grey matter in size. It yeah.
0: is. It's it's a it's a actually protective mechanism from the hippocampus and the prefrontal cortex, which we do cover a little bit in that episode on stress earlier on. Go check it out if you really want to understand it. But the crux of it is our overactive amygdala is detrimental to our prefrontal cortex, which helps control our attention. And this is, this is a massive problem. So like lots of people, the reason we're so distracted or finding focus so elusive mm. is because we're all so stressed. And I know when we're stressed, that's when we kind of take shortcuts.
1: You're spot on. And I think that's the secondary problem that was really identified when we're talking about quality. Uh, biases and heuristics, they've been so important for our survival, right? Um, these brain yeah. shortcuts, but they sometimes lead us astray, particularly with negative information. Your mate, Daniel Kahneman, Danny, Uh, the the godfather of human Amos 1973 came up with a very, very famous paper that gave rise to behavioral economics, just, uh, you know, to level up economics, assuming rational human behavior, not sure why people thought we were rational, but then uh, behavioral economics filling that gap and saying, hey, humans don't act in rational ways there is a gap and that's where behavioral economics came to be. And these biases and heuristics, while very helpful, because I mean, we can't think about everything we do. We need to have things automated in our life as we've spoken about in the habits episode in episode four, and obviously in addiction, yep. it can sometimes go away. So one that I wanted to really highlight here, particularly given COVID-19 that makes the quality of our attention decrease is availability bias. Oh, I you, love that. you you heard this one plenty of times. But yeah. availability heuristic, what it basically is, it describes our tendency to use information that comes to mind quickly and easily when making decisions about the future. I.e., if it comes back quicker and easier, I view it as more important as information that is more cognitively difficult. A really, hmm. really good example of a bunch of studies that have been done was actually post 9-11 to tell you um, and basically asked, post 9-11, like what are the proportional number of deaths in comparison from 9-11 or terrorism rather compared to heart attacks? And overwhelmingly, people thought that terrorism caused more deaths than with heart attacks. But when you look at the raw data, it is apples and oranges. Heart heart disease is still like the number one, one of the number one killers in the entire world. But that priming, that emotional resonance means that we feel things are more than they are. Same with COVID-19 right now, right? We think uh, that COVID-19 is the biggest killer, but malaria is still up there we don't, we don't think
0: so. Or the common flu. The common flu is killing more people this year than COVID has. In Australia.
1: That's nuts. Right? Uh, and that's not to take anything away from COVID and like saying it's not a big no. deal. Cause again, we're not, we're not uh, professionals in this year, but this whole motion of sensationalist news stories that uh, make them feel like they're happening more often becomes really, really clear. And it's like I said, very similar to the COVID situation right now. And that's what's going to lead us. And just to you know, give a bit of a shout out, we're going to uh, Sam and I are going to basically go through and do 188 of these biases and heuristics from this codex. Uh, and we're going to go through all yeah. these brain heuristics and biases to help you make better sense of the world and make better decisions. They're going to be five minute episodes. So watch out for that in the coming week. But one thing that I know that you looked into as well with all these heuristics is that one thing that people always thought we could do
0: is multitask always? Oh, so glad you say that. The amount of arguments I've had about multitasking with particular people who think they can multitask is astounding.
1: <laughs> it's the worst.
0: It's the worst. I'm I'm gonna tell you. The science is in. Multitasking is out. It is physically impossible. And I'm gonna. It's gone. Don't you, <laughs> don't multitask. You task switch what this means is when we're paying attention to something, when we have goal-oriented attention, we're trying to achieve something. Like I talked about before, that part of our brain, which is responsible for the executive function, the prefrontal cortex, which controls everything, is actually in communication with the different parts of our brain processing our senses. So if you're watching a video, the visual visual cortical part of your brain is uh, lighting up and so is the audio cortical part of your brain, those parts processing those things. And they're talking to your PFC and your PFC is talking to them. And then when you try to do something else, what happens is you actually have to activate a whole new network of information to switch between them. Mm -hmm. And so you're switching between these two different networks in your brain. And that comes with a cost. It comes with a task switching cost in the form of energy. So it's kind of like every time you switch between two things or you try to multitask at the same time, it's like opening up, a program on your computer. And then every time you want to do something else, switch to that other task, you're closing that program, opening up a new one and doing something there for a little bit. And if you can imagine trying to do that over and over and over Uh, again, every single time, just think about how slow that would be. That's what happens in your brain when you task switch.
1: That's crazy. So the cost is, so basically it's like the illusion of multitasking because we do it so rapidly Mm. and quickly, we don't really notice it. The conscious cell doesn't notice it, but there is that cost that is hidden to our conscious cells, but it's happening and decreasing over time. Well, Mm. there
0: is. And the other problem is multitasking is addictive, right? So according to Dr. Daniel J. Leviton, so professor of psychology, behavioral neuroscience at McGill, he said multitasking creates this A dopamine addiction feedback loop, shout out to our habits episode, go check it out on the addiction episode, which effectively rewards the brain for losing focus and finding new external sources of stimulation. And you think about this, when you start multitasking, you almost can't stop because it feels like you're doing more work, even though you're probably doing it much less effectively.
1: It's the classic busy versus productive, right? It's like Absolutely. when people like when an email pops in to your computer and you reply to it straight away, there's a cost there that people don't realize, but it makes you feel that you're actually getting stuff done. You get to the end of the day and you're like, oh, wow, I replied to 32 emails, did nothing. Did no big, big, big rock items,
0: not done. That's it. But you're tired. You still feel tired because you spend the whole day switching between things, um, So, I mean, taking this into consideration with how much multitasking we're all currently doing, I think of myself and I have Slack open on one window of one monitor, and then I'm trying to do work on the other, switching between the two. No wonder I'm finding it so hard to remain focused because my brain is learning to be unfocused. It's learning to switch attention.
1: It's learning a bad habit.
0: It is learning a bad habit. And that kind of comes into one of the benefits of attention is focus is a skill like attention can be developed and retrained. And that's essentially what meditation does. Um, according to Gazelle, um, out of the States, out of California. And the thing is where you focus your attention, you focus your identity because like we talked about with the reticulator, Ooh. reticular activating system. Yeah. Where you focus your attention, you focus your identity because what you start focusing on is what you'll start to become because your brain will seek out more of that information.
1: That makes so much sense. And I suppose that's why when we talk about well-being, meditation is often so cited because you're focusing solely on one thing and building it like a muscle. And that's where one of the benefits that we're speaking about, if you actually do improve your ability to pay attention to the mm. right things and increase it is is well-being. The ability to actually discern between harmful information and negative information becomes incredibly yep. important so that your filter is actually being like that. Like a bouncer at a club, you want the right information to come through, not the wrong information, which becomes really, really, really important.
0: Oh, abs- absolutely. To get uh, more, more of the right stuff done and focus more on the right things.
1: Exactly right. And that's why there's a quote, uh, quote counter for my uh, <laughs> Bill Gates that basically says, you're just going to get more of the right stuff done. And he says, uh, only through focus can you do world-class things, no matter how capable you are. And whenever Bill Gates is asked in his interviews why, how he's become successful, always mindful of hindsight bias here, he always says, my ability to get focused and get a lot done in a short period of time was massive. And that's why direction and magnitude are absolutely key. Because if all vectors, like a vector, everything goes in different directions, it sums to zero. The focus to go in one direction for a long period of time is where sustained success comes from. Rant Rant over.
0: Powerful, guys. You heard it from Bill Gates first. So given this, the real question is like, how do you grow your focus? How do you improve your attention? How do you learn to control distractions? Good news. We're about to tell you. In the next section on brain tools for attention
1: so welcome as we get into the next section which is what we've been waiting for it's all about these practical brain tools now Sam I have to level I've got a rant you had a rant once on one of our episodes. I'm taking the, I'm taking the yeah, floor. That's, that's no, right. I want to rant.
0: rant. Go on, rant away.
1: So, my rant begins by asking you, have you seen the movie Limitless before with
0: Bradley Cooper, the sexy man? Big, big fan, big fan, great eyes.
1: Oh, superb eyes. mesmerizing. But I'm not going to lie, this movie that he was in, the craze that happened afterwards where people, uh, for mm. those that haven't seen it, he basically takes this smart drug, this pill, and he becomes like, Beautiful mind s Russell Crowe esque, where he can just do all these calculations. He's really, really smart and does some amazing things. Now, the reality is, this is not true, but it led a massive craze of university students in the UK, Australia, US, around the world to take these smart drugs, modafinil, Ritalin, that would use to treat ADHD, where people literally thought they'd take these pills and they would be smarter. Not true. It is not it a thing. Happen. And what it does though, these smart drugs, I feel my voice getting really worked up. What it does do is it makes you focus on one thing for a long period of time. So when people actually take Podafinil, I know people that took it for big high stakes exams like the GAMSAT and a few other things. They'd focus on one thing for six or eight hours, depending upon what they had in their mind previously. Like it is not uncommon. If you want to clean, you take this, you'll clean for eight hours. That's literally what it does, but it doesn't help with your retention. It doesn't make you smarter, but it makes you feel smarter because you're used to not being able to pay attention. And I just wanted to get that out there because there are a bunch of other things that we've spoken about in previous episodes mm-hmm. that could be your smart drug, if you will.
0: Oh, uh, absolutely. You, you, won't <laughs> Great rant. you won't become Bradley Cooper. <laughs> you're not going to suddenly learn all these languages simultaneously because you took a drug that you purchased off the internet that is meant to help you with focus. It doesn't work like that.
1: I'm feeling the anger. I'm
0: still feeling angry. <laughs> yeah. Flushed. Very flushed, my friend. Yeah, good shout out because the biggest variables with attention, with intelligence uh, and focus is still sleep, exercise and diet. You know, The moment you correct those is the moment you're better able to modulate your attention because the rest of your body is in homeostasis. It's normalized. But with that in mind... With those things off the table, there is one thing you can do right now if you're struggling to work in the same way I'm struggling to work on my computer and that's my brain tool number one. And I call it the focus zoom. And what you do is you silence all attention noise to focus zoom. Why would you wanna do this? Well, it's simple because External distractors in the form of visual cues or auditory cues, sounds or things or things that pop up in your monitor or people in the hallway screaming are great ways to break your attention. They're, they're in the forms of distractions, as Dr. Gazelle would call. And so removing all of these, especially visual distractions, because our brain is optimized for visual processing, it's the number one uh, sensory cool. input. Uh, helps to reduce the distractions and therefore helps you to focus attention. So I'm I'm going to tell you exactly how to do this and how I do it for my work. Uh, Number one, I hide my taskbar, my Windows taskbar, so I can't see the time. I can't see notifications pop up there. Number two, I put my Slack and my instant messaging, my WhatsApp, everything on mute. I put my phone away and then I expand out my Windows on my computer to full screen. So when I'm working, the only thing I can focus on, the only thing I'm focused zooming on is my work and I can tell you this, like personally doing this the last week, my ability to do deep work has skyrocketed. Cause I don't have those distractions.
1: Yeah, this is the classic I saw. Uh- someone at the work today with like fifty five hundred tabs open. I'm like, how on earth are you even focusing? Because you're just probably looking at those tabs, being like, Hello, I like you. Novelty. Yeah. I cannot.
0: Way too much going on. It's it's crazy. And I used to be one of those perpetrators too. Now I have a, a limit on tabs, which is another thing. But it's really about understanding like what, what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be focusing on.
1: Exactly right. And that brings me to brain number number two, brain tool number two, which is creating a to not do list. Now in previous episodes, we've spoken about if then plans, but the ultimate way to think about your attention is actually in terms of removing things that take your attention as opposed to actually doubling down on things that increase your attention. Because if you take those things away, then you increase your attention naturally. And this is where I want to talk about the mental model. You know, you know, we like mental models Uh, of inversion now this is something that uh, i use personally when i'm trying to solve problems in business or in life but charlie munger has a really famous quote where he says invert always invert turn a situational problem upside down look at it backward and the whole idea here is not to ask what you should do to boost your attention but to ask what shouldn't you do uh, and it's the same thing with success don't ask what will make me successful ask be, ask yourself what will not fail avoid those things and your probability of achieving that becomes very very salient so how that applies to attention very, very practically. As for what you said just, Sam, is like removing those things, but actually consciously list them. List all the things that take away from attention, every single thing that distracts you, notifications. could be music. could be a dog. It could be a mum interrupting you. And the moment you list those things and you put it right next to your workstation, right in front of you, it actually means it's in front of your mind. You're more likely to pay attention to it. And actually, therefore, when the time comes, it's easy for your conscious to say, hey, I should actually not do this. And that's the key thing that I want to say, which is brain level two, create your to not do list and remove those
0: distractions. I absolutely love that. It's almost like using your own attention filter and training it, not what to not pay attention to by putting it in front of you.
1: We're nodding lots. Yeah, exactly right. It's so spot on because it links in so nicely with that. But it's also being mindful that, You know, when you do work for long periods of time, it does get quite tough. So I know that you looked at a particular technique that could solve this problem.
0: Yes, totally spot on. I did, and this is one that is, you probably heard it before, if you're in the productivity circles of the world, if you spent too long on medium, or if you're just a productivity nerd, like some of us are, brain tool number three, it's called the Pomodoro technique and breaks. And what you do is you set yourself up a timer. There was uh, an Italian name, some, I can't remember his first name, but Mr. Pomodoro, who came up with this concept of timing
1: <laughs> himself. Mr. Tomato, I like it. Mr. Tomato. <laughs> uh,
0: Mr. Pomodoro of timing himself for 25 minutes and then taking a break. And his concept was this was about the amount of time where he could sustain deep focus. And so the way it works is you start working in these blocks of 25 minutes Pomodoro timing, five minutes break, 25 minutes focus, five minutes break. And it works because the brain needs breaks. Your, your fo- ability to focus and attention erodes if you start extending beyond a point where you give your brain a break because that's what the brain is seeking to do naturally. So I'll wrap it up really quickly. The way you do this or the way I do it is Google Pomodoro timer. There are a million out there. They're free. Just open one up. Click start and refuse to do anything else but the task you were meant to do during that twenty five minutes. And then when that time is up, go spend five minutes relaxing. I go and shoot poops on my basketball rim. I love basketball. So that's oh, my yeah. thing. But you know, if you're a reader, go read a book. If you are a chronic scroller, go reward yourself. We talk about this in the habits episode, but go reward yourself for that 25 minutes of focus with uh, some scrolling on Instagram or social media, and then come back and do the same thing. So Pomodoro technique, go look up the timer, 25 minutes focus, five minutes of relaxation and reward afterwards.
1: I love it. That's
0: huge. Those are three pretty decent ones, I feel. Those are those are pretty pretty decent ones. Pretty impressed with those, and even more excited for the ones coming up after this because they link directly into this, and we've even got some color play. All right, and now the last three brain tools for this episode on attention. I hope you are paying attention and listening to what we have to say because these last three ones are amazing. You're going to learn some really, really great tips, including one or two you've definitely never heard of before. And speaking of ones you never heard of before, this, is, this one coming up from Kieran is one I definitely hadn't heard of, uh, but it makes a lot of sense.
1: Well, I'm going to come at you. Brain tool number four understand your flow state understand your flow state now that this was you? uh uh possibly like you want to try and do it live I, I can't do it not flexible enough Like, just it's not going to work but I this is care. this is this is a way of taking advantage of your existing attention now what people mean by the flow state it's described as effortless where you can work for three or four hours the time disappears you're engaged sufficiently in the task at hand and it came from a book called flow by okay, I, I, I look not this. Up. I can't actually I can't pronounce the, the guy's name, it's me. No, I'm not gonna do it, otherwise, it's just gonna get weird. I, I don't, yeah, no, it's by a dude.
0: His name's actually crazy, and I want to point this out because I looked this up. I looked, how do you pronounce this guy's name? And it's so weird. I hope, I hope you're ready. It is so weird. We were just talking about this. It. it's so weird. His name is pronounced according to Wiki quote Mihai. <laughs> Cheeks send, <laughs> <laughs> cheeks, send me high. Oh, Dr. cheeks, <laughs> send me high. Oh, cheeks, send me
1: high. I don't even want to say his name. I'm just calling him the flow guy. Know. Like I just, I Flo can't.
0: And if we've offended the flow guy, I am very. I'm sorry. This is just wiki quotes. I'm, don't yeah. shoot the messenger.
1: Don't shoot the messenger, shoot Google, information, 4.3 billion searches. Um, But the, the whole notion in this book and what he says is control of consciousness determines the quality of life. And what he talks about is a very interesting practical exercise on how to actually discover your flow state, which is you pick a day or you pick two days, three days, generally a week is great. And what you do throughout the day is you create a bit of a table and you assess and rate your energy levels, your feeling of energy across a day. So let's just say at 10am, I have an alarm, I'll rate it 7 out of 10. Then then an hour later, it might be 6 out of 10. And what you start to do is actually graph your energy states throughout the day because energy is a really big function of your flow state. The other thing that's really important is task enjoyment. And so that's what he also says to do is to actually map how much am I enjoying this task right now? Obviously not great to do when you're doing admin, but the notion here is that if you get a week's worth of this data, you can actually very clearly see when you're, optimal time to do the deep work is so for example when i did this i actually discovered believe it or not that it was my peak was four or five p.m which is counters for a lot of people because i fast until two or three for some reason i was just able to really work quite well there so all the big ticket items the big work the stuff i want to be really immersed in i always do then so understanding your flow state when you are in a state of flow when you're more likely to be is a really crucial thing to direct your attention in a very purposeful way
0: that makes so much sense. It's, it's like figuring out where your golden hours are. Exactly right. It's
1: the, the, the effective time, Hey,
0: the effective time, the, the time when you work best, that's a, I had not thought of it that way. And I say that genuinely, I had not thought of it that way, but I might actually have to reflect upon that
1: Implementation. a little
0: bit <laughs> implementation. I'll be using it. Check back in with me in a couple of weeks. Uh, and that kind of ties in a little bit to brain tool number five that I have. It's a little bit You're different. You're so happy
1: with this. You're so happy with this one. I'm pretty happy <laughs> the with name,
0: this one. The name. <laughs> I'm pretty happy with this one. Uh, hear me out. Brain tool five. Forget screen time. Get some green time. And yes, <laughs> I delivered. How's <laughs> your smooth the voice? That got really sensual very quickly. How <laughs> powerful is that? Oh, look, what this is is super simple. It's be around plants. Immerse yourself in green for more focus and attention. And I know what you're thinking. That sounds like complete bollocks, which is what I initially thought too. But research has shown that getting exposure to green spaces, plants, trees, anything green in nature improves concentration and attention. And I've actually got two quick studies that demonstrate this really well. Students were asked to conduct a really mundane task in a study and then given a 40-second break midway through. In that break, they were either looking at a bare concrete roof, boring, or a flowery meadow green roof. The students who glanced at the flowery roof made considerably less errors and had superior concentration levels on the remaining half of the task than those who looked at the concrete scene pretty crazy pretty crazy they also found in another study that enriching a bare office with plants increased the productivity of workers by 15 and and the presence of green increased workplace satisfaction perceived air quality and levels of concentration green space green time is better than screen space screen time I'm telling you. You have, re-
1: you have uh-huh. wrapped it up nicely and you're rap- very happy with rap- your rap- word yeah. right now. I'm, I'm
0: very <laughs> happy with my word play. It makes so much sense though.
1: Like I totally so agree sense. with this, which is if we go back to the, the wellbeing episode that we did, that, that study done on nature, even getting sort of 15 to 20 minutes in nature per day increased well-being mm. satisfaction scores massively. And so taking what you've said, I've adopted that principle as well. Now I know it's sometimes tough to get outside given COVID-19 restrictions, but uh, my yep. lunch breaks normally in, in a garden nearby. Just walk there, sit there for a little bit, take it easy, meditate, come
0: back. So simple. And I was actually thinking about that today because I do have certain people who don't have access to green spaces. Even if you just have a plant in the house that you spend some time with and you just look at and kind of absorb, you're still going to get a similar effect because it's still green and, and you're still getting that plant reflection. So just go look at a plant. Plants are good for you. And this was about green, but yours is about another color. For brain oh, yes.
1: six. so you're all about green time. Tool number six, or brain tool number six, is red team yourself. Ooh, red team yourself. What do you get, Sam, when you mix red and green together? By the way, purple. I just don't know. I just asked that. Is <laughs> it, th- orange? No. no it's, wow. It's private.
0: definitely not. Put. Moving on.
1: I'm gonna suggest, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> but red teaming yourself. Um, The whole notion here is when we talked about earlier the problem with the quality of information and how it impacts your beliefs This is actually to protect your attention and what we want to do here is in a red team yourself, you want to avoid confirmation bias. The bias we're going to talk about in future episodes and in on those um, biases and heuristics we're talking about. But that's basically the idea that you have an existing belief and you will search for all the information that confirms that initial belief. This is rife at the moment, taking COVID-19. Mm. Everyone has like, you know, you've got the conspiracy theorists, you've got the non-conspiracy theorists. And the moment that someone adopts that belief, they're gonna look for the information that actually satisfies that belief, irrespective of the total population of information. Say there is a thousand bits of information, say there's only 200 on conspiracy theory, they're gonna look at that 200 and ignore the 800. And so you want to know the other side better than you know your own to improve your sense making. So how you do this Sam, to improve and balance out things, because if we go at the extremes, we can get heightened in our emotional states, can suffer a lot of anxiety whenever you see something that is quite controversial and you have that emotional opinion or emotional reaction look up everything that opposes that view and your view so you can differentiate between what is true what is objectively true and what is truthful what you believe to be true and there's two very simple questions to do this that i ask everyone how can i be wrong how might i actually be wrong and how do i know i'm right when you ask those two questions it allows you to pause And therefore think through things a little bit more and not have that emotional reaction you might have. When you see that really negative information, you're more likely to be level and you'll have your well being intact. And so that is tool number six, red team yourself.
0: Red team yourself. I had never heard it framed that way, but it makes total sense. I like, there's a, a great quote from my boy, Mark Manson, (laughs) yeah. <laughs> uh, which is, you know, the only certainty in life is uncertainty. Everything can be right until it's proven wrong. And there's no better place in science to look at this. Like so, many, so often new things or old things are, are proven or disproven in, in your research. So it's like challenging yourself, right?
1: It makes so much sense. And, you know, that's that that's skepticism and adopting it. Um, it can be very, very beneficial for your well-being to know that you
0: know, things aren't always as they appear to be. Super healthy, super healthy. All right, should we uh repeat those last six brain tools? Shall
1: we? Well, I, I'm going to go first. I'm going to butt in. Why not? Oh, so, okay. <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. You're
0: tool one. You need to go tool You're one. You're rude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 You'll settle down. I haven't had a drink yet. Uh, <laughs> tool one, which is the focus zoom, silence all your attention, uh noise, hide the taskbar, put everything on silent and just... Open and full screen, what have you got in your window?
1: Tool number two, create a to not do list. Actually, invert and focus on removing the things that take your attention away, and that will increase your attention inevitably.
0: Which leads really well onto tool number three. If you're doing all those things, why not complement them with the Pomodoro timer? So set yourself up 25 minutes at a time, increase your focus and deep work, and then five minutes of rewards afterwards. Love it. Goes nicely
1: into tool number four, which is to understand your flow state. Actually document your energy levels and your task enjoyment across the day. Find out what your peak time is to actually work on the things that matter most so you can get more done in less time.
0: Leads really nicely into tool number five. One of my favorites, which is forget the screen (laughs) time. Get some green time. Go look at some plants. Let your brain calm down. It may just improve your attention dramatically.
1: And then the opposite colour of which, Sam, and I clearly don't know what mixes together, Uh, tool number six is red team yourself. Uh, Whenever you see information that is actually confirming one of your beliefs, try and look at the other side of the equation by asking yourself, how do I know I'm right or how do I know I'm wrong? And then you're more likely to be level and get less, um, I suppose, uh, worked up. On extreme bits of information given the current state that we're in, which leads quite nicely, Sam, into our any 80-20 takeaway. What's yours?
0: My 80-20 takeaway is attention and concentration comes from a calm brain. So it's about finding ways to calm your brain rather than overexciting it. What's your really
1: like that? It feeds nicely into mine, which is you are what you pay what you are, what you pay attention to. Remove everything that prevents you from focusing so you can live a better life.
0: Strong. Drops the bike. nice well that's uh i think that's pretty much us done for this week
1: it is and it wraps up our covid 19 series uh where you if you haven't actually seen previous episodes go back to episode one on sleep all the way through to episode seven when we talk about relationships but we're going to be uh down for next week where we're going to have a surprise topic we're not even going to let you know what it is now it's just going to come come at you
0: It's going to be a massive surprise and you'll be able to get all the resources for the first one to eight episodes in a big COVID pack that we're going to share out too. So look forward to that. It's it's going to come out in the next week or so. Very excited about that. But aside from that, bye for now. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Brain Tools we've got three quick things to hit you with before you go. One, if you want to hear other brain tools, you can find our other episodes at the link below and on all podcasting platforms.
1: Number two, if you like this episode, then give us a review on iTunes or Spotify only if it's above four stars.
0: And number three, you can go ahead and join the braintools.mn.co community where we'll post a complete brain guide based on this episode plus a ton of other resources. Best of all, it is completely free.
1: Cannot wait to see you next episode. And until then, bye for now.
0: See you next episode.